Okay, you guys, so I hope everybody's doing um, really, really well. Currently on my way to the gym to get some training done, um, given that that is super, super important. Gym's one of those things that, like, I don't know, I feel like it's the one of the areas of training that people probably think is maybe optional if that's a I don't know a way of looking at it or something that you know if I if I have time then you know I'll get to the gym and I'll I'll do the gym but the reality is gyms uh you know gyms uh you just you have to do it it's not it's certainly 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 not optional um and that's really really important so gym is one of those things that we absolutely must get done and in order to train at a level that's going to get you you know some of the results that you want also just from a consistency side of things to not get some of the injuries that can creep in you know it's super 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 important and so gym is certainly on my top three things that are you know super super important to get done i actually don't know what the other two would be but in other words get some form of gym program rehab program strengthening program in place it's it's really 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 going to look after you both from a perspective of the training you're doing now and then also if you want longevity in the running space if, if you want to be running for a longish period of time then you know it's it's very very important it doesn't have to be the most sophisticated amazing brilliant gym program in the world but i just cannot you know stress highly enough that you should be getting you know some gym into your weekly training, daily training, that kind of thing. Super, super important. Again, if you don't have the luxury of, you know, call it time that you can, you know, get to a gym and you can dedicate time to a gym program, well, then what you can do is at home, you can do some exercises that might just be enough to kind of keep you injury free keep on top of some of the little things that have been breaking down, keep on top of some of the areas of your body that perhaps there's little weaknesses that then deteriorate as your training buildup goes on, especially when you start adding in some of the perhaps harder training towards a bigger race result and stuff, especially sometimes when you're training for, you know, perhaps a goal that some of the training requires a level of intensity whether it's a 10k coming up whether it's you know a half marathon or 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 a marathon and and maybe when you add in some intensity you could say your your body starts to let's call it growl I, i like the sort of thought process on like it growls a little bit at you in other words it it just grumbles a wee bit and it's not as happy when you've kind of left that like intense training and um, suddenly things ache a little bit or hurt a little bit and you kind of know you've trained a little bit. So there's going to be specific areas where there's calves, hamstrings, um, you know, that just 
yeah, just growl a little bit. So they're the kind of areas that you really want to stay on top of. Um, but look, at, I, I just happened to be going to the gym and, and I thought, you know, that's very, very important to say and, yeah, stress because I guarantee you there's a lot of people out there that probably know they should be doing a little bit more, a little bit more gym stuff. And yeah, perhaps you're, you need a little bit of motivation to kind of do that. So that's pretty important. Things are in a pretty good place, I have to say. I made a decision. I, I believe I spoke on the podcast about it. I'm not entirely sure. I think I did. I, I forget. Made that decision not to go to altitude. It, to me, it was a tough decision, I suppose you could say. Um, mainly because a long time ago, when I, again, I think I probably mentioned this, so I'll not go on about it, but a, a long time ago when I wouldn't have been as focused, Altitude was this place I could go to or or just running camps in general that it just got me in a, a pretty focused sort of headspace. It allowed me to really focus in on the training. It allowed me to, you know, get rid of distractions, this kind of thing. And it didn't really matter what they were at the time. It was it was honestly it was socializing and, and going out partying. And I used to be this like super sort of like dedicated athlete from the kind of like Monday to Sunday type thing. And and then it, it would get to like the, the weekend and, and suddenly I'd, <laughs> I'd kind of fall apart a little bit, which super, super interesting. But I'm, I'm not really like that anymore. Um, if anything, I'm probably like guilty of not socializing enough. Um, and, and so I don't have that same, that same sort of like, I don't know, I don't want to call it a problem, but like, I, I don't have to deal with that same issue. I don't, I don't have to, you know, run away on camp so that, so that I can focus and be professional and, and train professionally and act professionally. Um, and so made that decision not to go. I, I, I then, sometimes you make a decision, see this as in your situation, it, it, it might be that you haven't necessarily made a decision not to go on a training camp or something like this, but sometimes what we're guilty of is we we make a bit of a plan because we say to ourselves, I think this, whatever it is, could really help my runner, right? Sometimes it's, I'm going to do yoga once a week. I'm going to start doing some strength work once a week. I'm going to do a harder tempo once a week. Sometimes we're great at making the plan, but we're not great at the actual execution of, you know, whatever, and we'll call it a modality, a training modality, whatever, whatever this new stimulus is that we think could really benefit us. We, we think about it. We know logically that makes sense. Yeah, that could really help. I'm, I'm on board with that. But then sometimes the the execution the the actual getting it done is is the hardest part and so where i'm kind of going with that is i i made this lovely you know decision not to go to altitude like i said it wasn't easy it, it kind of goes against the grain all this sort of thing and and the decision was like okay well where am i going with that where i'm going with that is i was fed up being at altitude honestly doing a maybe a 10 mile run and, and running at like six minute mile pace and my heart rate being whatever. And, 
and then coming back to sea level and, and because of travel and because of jet lag and because of all this crap, basically I'd be either slower and have a higher heart rate or the same speed and have a higher heart rate. And, and I'd kind of be like, what is going on? Like the whole, the whole purpose of any intervention, right? If you're going to add something in, altitude training, gym, um, threshold work, maybe you're going to do a hypoxic session once a week in a chamber, you know, maybe you're going to try to sleep two hours longer at night, maybe you're going to try to lose a kilogram of weight. Any of these little interventions, the whole purpose, I think, I hope, is to be in a better place in either life or, or running from a probably performance perspective. I can tell you right now that I don't go to altitude for the, for the like, for the, I don't know, for the greater good. I certainly don't spend all that money just, just for shits and giggles. I'm going there with a very specific purpose. And that was hopefully to see my, my running in a better place when I come back. That's it. It, it, it doesn't, I'm not always sure how that will present itself, whether it's speed, whether it's how long I can run at a certain speed, hopefully all of the above. But too many times lately, I've came back and I was like, this sucks, like things aren't better. And so that would be like losing, like, okay, I'm gonna tell you a better one. That would be like losing two kilograms of weight and paying like, I don't know, I think an altitude camp can sometimes be 3,000 pounds, something like that. Paying 3,000 pounds to lose two kilograms of weight and being slower, that would suck. So, so I made this like great idea and it was a great idea, I have to say, I'm quite proud of my idea now because it goes against the grain. Everyone's going to the altitude. Everybody in January was going on camp. It was difficult to watch. But I just sort of thought, I had, I had started to see some of the runs that I was doing. So, so I, I, I openly there spoke about the six minute mile pace stuff, the steady runs. It had got to a point where they had started to, started to feel a bit better again, right? So I was able to go for a 10 mile run at six minute pace and, and not kind of be like, oh, my days, like I'm, I'm kind of working quite hard here. And they're geared, they're geared to be like a zone two run. That's where my, you know, my fat oxidation is at its sort of maximum. And I have to say, after that altitude camp, there was a lot of those, let's call it a zone two run, that let me tell you, it was not, it was not zone two. <laughs> and that was kind of like frustrating. It was frustrating because it was like, what's going on, right? And so I kind of stuck with it. So, so what, I, what I do sometimes, there, there's two ways to go about things, right? And I'm kind of losing track here, but I'm going to come back to it. One, one method of training is the like, I'm going to go to the park every Friday and I'm going to run at my zone two heart rate. And I hope that in five weeks time, six weeks time, it, it's going to be at a better pace, right? That's the like, that's the like slow burner. There's a time and place for that. My 
my brain this year was a little bit different. And, and, and there's probably a balance here. You probably need to kind of some days be the slow burner. And then some days you need to like, I, I don't know if you guys remember, I, I can't remember if it was on YouTube or, or if it was on a podcast, but I spoke about when I was building the ice baths and, and obviously I was, a, uh, I was a bit of a mess, you know, and, 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 and that's okay and, that, and that's life. But when I, when I was building those ice baths, I, I talked about if a, if a piece of like tube or, or one of the plumbing fittings that didn't fit, it probably didn't fit because I probably bought the wrong one, standard, that's what I was doing a lot of at that moment in time. But if it didn't fit, I just made it fit, right? And so I, I, by applying force, and sometimes quite a lot of force, and this is why my hands were cut to pieces and I had cuts everywhere, because when you're applying force to plumbing stuff and it, it doesn't want to go in and it slips and you wreck your knuckle on like one of the harder bits of plastic or something like this, I, I made things fit, right? And so I think for about the last like four or five weeks, what I was kind of doing was taking that mentality to to run it. And that's kind of what it did before Dublin Marathon. I took this mentality that was like, I'm kind of fed up going to the park and running at X, Y, and Z heart rate and, and hoping to God, can I say, that in five weeks time, it's suddenly going to be 450 per mile. I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm like, yeah, this isn't progressing as quickly as I need it to. Not, not want it to, need it to, because the race is in, you know, the race is getting closer. <laughs> um, and so things started to click, right? I, I didn't have to force the pace anymore is what I'm saying, right? And, and, and that was probably about three weeks ago now, where I was kind of like, you know what? This is, this is really starting to look pretty good. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm running at that 556 minute pace. I'm looking down, the heart rate's like 143, 144. And I'm like, yes. Like, you know, not two weeks before that, three weeks before that, it's 155, 156. I'm like, oh my days. I'm definitely not in zone two anymore. And so that was the the idea. I, I had just started to get things going well again. And then I was like, what am I going to do? Jump on a, you know, a, a 12 hour flight or a 10 hour flight to, you know, Dallas and, and then sit in Dallas airport and, and for three hours and, and then fly another, you know, two hours to Flagstaff and, and be on a new time zone again. And, and, and if I learned anything from like the physiologist it, it, per one hour of time change, I think it's one day for the body to fully come round. We don't, and I say we, I'm probably speaking for most professionals here. We don't give the body a day per one hour time zone. We're, we're up the next day. And because it's Tuesday, you're out there doing a session, right? So I've, I've really longed out that chat, but made the decision, stay at sea level. Then the other, the other decision that was made, if, if you remember, was that I, I wanted to start incorporating more sort of like tempo work, more training at that 
temple sort of area because I knew that that was something that I could do at sea level. And what I mean by that is four mile tempo, five mile tempo at a good pace. It's not that you can't do that at altitude, you can, but it's a lot harder and, and you're, you're having to compensate speed because of the altitude. That it, it's, that's really simple. So we make this great plan, we have this great idea, and, and if, you were, uh, if you're running as a, as a whole, was a business, you'd be sitting there in front of your 12 board members and they'd all be going, yeah, I love it. I love it. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. I love it, right? But then you wake up on Monday and you go, ah, feck. Bloody hell, that plan says I should go to the gym today. Oh, my days. I don't really feel like going to the gym today. I don't know why I'm changing my accent. Like, it's not me. It's me. Anyway, that is something that I'm, I'm really proud of, is, is what I'm going to say. I made this decision not to go. I stuck by it. I didn't jump on a plane a week later, two weeks later. I stuck to it. And, and kind of here we are, you know, those couple of weeks later. Specifically when we get to the end of January... That's when I would have been leaving um, America. Last time I left America, I think it was on like day two back from altitude. I, have a, I had an absolute, <laughs> I had a really not great session. <laughs> it was like, I, I think I was doing Ks and um, I, I honestly thought I was going to run like three to 305 per K and feel absolutely delightful. And, and I think I ran number seven, if I remember right, in like 309, perhaps, and, and said to myself, there wasn't a, there wasn't a, if I run this time, I stop the session. But, but if I would have planned a time, <laughs> it probably would have been about that. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with 309. I trust me, I'm not. But again, I had done 10 by a K at 255, like 10 days previously at altitude. And so it was like, what's going on? The reason I tell you that is because at the end of January, moving into February, when I, when I would have been flying back from America, this time I'll be flying to Barcelona to race the half marathon, right? And I'm not saying I'm going to go to this half marathon and have like the best run ever, okay? Because, because I've trained in a way that the majority of what I'm doing, you know, you do 10 miles, you run it at six minute pace, you know, forgive me, but you know, whoop de doo your, your half marathon pace is probably 445 to 450, you know, something like that. So it's like a lot of this training is still in the development part, the slow burner towards the, the marathon goal, right? But I have incorporated some stuff for call it call it as like a I'm gonna call the stuff that I've been doing a bit like I'm gonna call it like the backup plan, right? You know, you know when you have like plan A and plan A is awesome and you're all happy about that. But sometimes you need to put a little bit of a security net in place. And if I'm gonna go to Barcelona and I'm gonna stand on a start line of a half marathon, I'm doing something in the weeks leading into that race that gives my psychology more than anything, a little bit of self-belief 
that I'm not throwing myself into the lion's den. Totally unprepared. I have no problem getting into the lion's den if I'm prepared. People, people actually think that I call it like bottle races. And I do, but I only do when I know I'm not prepared, if that makes sense, right? I leave the house, I'm driving to the gym. If I get in the, 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 my car and it's got no fuel, I ain't getting to the gym. I'm not bottling the journey. I just, I'm not, I can't do it. It's not possible. And so the little things that I'm doing, I'm not preparing for Barcelona half like it's, like it's the Olympic marathon qualifying attempt because that's the big A goal. But there's two things. One, I think it will really help. A, and B, I'm excited that I think it can go pretty damn good and it will go a hell of a lot better than what that session did when I flew back after altitude. That was the whole point of that little story. That if I'm going to give you advice, let, let, me, let me give you the advice and then go back to the what I'm doing to prepare for Barcelona. The little bit of advice would be I make a lot of what seems like very good decisions, right? Professional decisions, like call it big boy decisions, big boy professional decisions, right? You've just flown, you should take that a bit easier. You've just got the altitude, you shouldn't push for four days. You've just came back to sea level, you need to do X, Y, and Z, right? However, it doesn't matter how amazing your decisions are, how professional they are, if you put yourself in a position where you had to make a decision, yes, you ended up making a really great call. But, but what if the right call was never to be in that position, right? That's where I want your head at at the moment. I want you thinking, just because you're handling everything really well, right? And that's awesome. And you can be really proud of yourself for that. But what if, what if, you know, you didn't push on Sunday's run as much because you overdid the session on Saturday? Or, or what if you didn't push on Sunday's run, which was a great decision because you were really tired and dehydrated from maybe a night out or something like that? What, what if that didn't exist? What if the night out didn't exist? And then when you woke up Sunday, you weren't forced into this decision-making process. Worse yet, you went out Saturday and, and you know, you were dehydrated and you were tired and then you did push and, and you wondered why a week later you're, you're, you're knackered. So the point of there is, is that I am good at making decisions. In other words, I'm good at digging myself out of holes that I put myself into. I didn't ever need to be in the hole. I could have just stayed on top, right? And then you don't have to make these decisions where it's kind of like, maybe I shouldn't push today because I just flew, you know, but I did fly business class, but maybe, but maybe business class was actually just sleeping upstairs in your own bedroom. Right. And, and that's, that's something that I'm really going to try to focus on, on 2024 is not digging the hole in the first place. So that big boy professional decision, it didn't ever need to be made. And you really need to start thinking about that. That's how, how much of your life, and th this is kind of running, kind of not running, how much of your life 
is some form of compensation. This is one of my, if I could write a book and I was like patient enough to write it, I would write a book on life is this game of compensation. And it really is. We are all living in some form of compensation. You know, you spend too much this week, you have to cut back next week. You know, you push too hard on your Thursday session, you have to hold back Friday. You work a little bit too, not hard enough at the start of the month, you're compensating at the end of the month, right? We, we live in this tug of war of compensation. You, you maybe take the piss at home with your partner, you're, you're compensating by having to make it up to them later on in, in, in the week or the month or the day, you know? It, it, it's crazy. But if you think about it, that, that's in life, we're, we're not often just in that balanced state, which is fair, we're human. But in running, you, you just want to be really careful with how often you're having to compensate for previous decisions that at the time, you know, you probably knew you weren't doing the right thing, you weren't executing something the right way, you weren't being patient, you weren't being disciplined. And suddenly, then you're having to pay the price, you're having to compensate for that decision. I think that's super, super important. I have a a lot of little, you know, psychology lectures in the running schools centered around that, trying to, you know, limit how much of that you're doing because it really does cost you. So much of the training that I miss, and I mean probably quite a lot for being this like Mr. Professional, I, I'm I'm honestly not that professional, which I, I actually hope is why like, uh, forgive me, but I hope it's why people like me <laughs> more, maybe than the like, you know, the the full dedicated all the time, perfect, like blah, blah, blah. I am, I am not that guy. But it's because I'm, I'm sometimes a bit of a mess. And so sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to like do my run this morning and, and then I'm going to go on the bike later and I'll do my bike ride. And then at three o'clock in the afternoon, I book a flight to London and, and at 5.30, I'm on a plane to London and I'm like, oh yeah, what happened to the bike ride? You know, and, and things get skipped, but that's me compensating. That's my compensation because I have ADHD and sometimes I'm a bit all over the place. I, it's like I forget at three o'clock in the afternoon that I'm a professional runner and, and you know, part of my job is to get the training done. And suddenly I'm on a plane to like London, like woohoo, <laughs> um, brilliant. Anyway, try to cut down on the compensate. That's my big thing for 2024. You know, don't, don't dig those holes. Yes, I know you're, you're bloody good at digging yourself out of them and, and blah, 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 but enough, you know, enough's enough. So how I'm preparing for Barcelona half marathon within the marathon buildup, I am doing probably three or four sessions in a way that it kind of compensates what I'm doing. In other words, I don't know why I use the word compensate. Compensate was the wrong word. What was what, the word for like works alongside? I, I'm not going to get this one. Compensate's like bad. It kind of like, I don't know. It works with what I'm doing. <laughs> That's what I want to say. So I did the Ks at like LT2, right? One of the big focuses has been let's not fuck around here. If we're going to do LT1, do LT1. You have to slow right down. It's a pain in the ass. I hate it, but I do it. And then don't fall into the trap of 
when you're doing the LT2 stuff, almost not work hard enough or run fast enough. So it's, it's let's, let's do more at LT1 right at the, you know, the beginning of that threshold and then more at the higher end of LT2. None of this in the middle stuff. I was doing quite a lot of junk in the middle, you could say, because it's, it's easier. I got to be honest with you, it's easier to just cruise along at five minutes to 5.05 pace. It's a bit harder when you're at 4.50, 4.55, right? Until you do it a few times and then it's, it's good, right? And I'm just about to do a video on YouTube on that, like uh, reducing the cost of running from a psychological and the actual physiology while, by running at the pace that you need to expose yourself to. Uh, conducive. Is that the word? It's conducive to what I'm doing right now. I think I got it. Um, but we did the Ks, and then now I've been able to move it to 2Ks. And, and this is where now I kind of branch off that it's not, it's not going to do me any harm for the, for the marathon, but I'll start to push the reps a bit longer, okay? So I've done the Ks. I've done the 2Ks. The next step is to do some three Ks and, and the final step will be five K, right? So I've already done a couple of sessions. I've already done a couple of four mile efforts that were, I mean, probably not like, I'm not going to say per discipline, but that probably, remember that training is only as good as, as the, absorption of that training. Did you absorb it all? I can confidently say after those two Ks that it's very likely that I absorbed the benefit, right? From a physiology perspective, when I did those four mile efforts, there's two things happening. It was probably four mile, four and a half mile. I can't really remember. Four, I, I remember. They were pretty tough. I definitely remember. They were kind of 450 to 455 pace. And what's happening is I'm training the psychology to remind it, hey, running's not easy, big boy, and get on with it, right? So what one mile in, I'm already like, oh my God, maybe I could make this a two mile rep. I'm tired. And then your fourth mile is your quickest. And it's like, there's this like brain moment where it's like, oh my God, I needed to be quiet in that first mile. It was fine. So that's very important. But also the physiology, like it, it, it's bound to have done something. I think the physiology likes to be, this is my really interesting take on this, okay? This is going to sound, but you're going to agree with me, but it's going to sound like crazy. The physiology likes to be undercooked, right? That's not the crazy part. The psychology likes to be overcooked. That's the balance of running. That's the difficult part. So some things you'll do for your psychology, you know, that do hard things, you know, really, you know, push yourself. And, and, and by pushing yourself, there's these big adaptations where, where next time you're exposed to something, it just doesn't seem as difficult. But that's by really putting yourself through the ringer, right? You, you really sometimes have to, expose yourself to not nice feelings and, 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 it, and it works. It's crazy. This physiology <laughs> mm, doesn't love that. <laughs> and, I, and I 
know that because all the, and believe me, there's been a lot of it. Everything I, all the podcasts I listen to, all the books I read, all the research papers that I read, the physiology really loves a slow, let's progress me over time. And that's because of what's called supercompensation. And the only way to get the benefits of what you're doing and absorb what you're doing is to allow time for those changes to sort of occur. And so physiology, slow burner, psychology loves to be pushed. So when I'm doing those four mile efforts, in my head, I'm probably thinking from a physiology perspective, I probably shouldn't be jumping to four mile right away, given that that was probably like two weeks ago. And I literally just did the two Ks yesterday. So like, there's a prerequisite, you could say, where it's like you should do 1K reps, maybe 2K, 3K, 4K, 6K, you know, build it, build it in that nice way, get the benefits of the Ks first, get the benefits of the 2Ks, et cetera, et cetera. I had the motivation at the time to go and push for four or five miles. If the motivation's there, yeah, sometimes you should just go do it because the motivation isn't always there. And so if you wake up one day and you're kind of like, you know, I know today's session's supposed to be like the easier one and then the harder ones in two days from now. But if I'm honest, I'm kind of kind of up for it today. It's probably a good day to do the harder one because actually in two days from now, you might be like, thank God I did because I'm I really can't be bothered with pushing today. And that's the funny thing with like psychology. Sometimes it's up for it, sometimes it's not. So I probably took advantage of the fact that it was up for it. But did I absorb it all from a physiology perspective? Who knows? Was it a waste of time? Definitely not. That's not where I'm going with that. So for the half marathon, I did some of those four mile efforts. And I did two of them. I kind of did the slow burner part of the session first couple of reps at that slow burner effort, you know, keep that in place, keep the real foundation work in place. And then, you know, add on a a four to five mile, pretty hard effort, call it a day, go home, really focus on the recovery and, and hope that, you know, I've absorbed some of that, but, but I know the psychology is in a better place and it's, it's going to be in a better place on the start line of Barcelona, having done some of this stuff. So we'll add in some three Ks or like two mile reps. And I will add in some five Ks. The five K session will be if if we're going to talk about one session in particular that's going to like prepare me, you could say, to, you know, race a good half marathon. It will be a five K at a pretty relaxed effort, as in like really relaxed, probably like. 30 seconds per mile slower than race pace. So, so you know, a good chunk, if I want to race at, let's say, 450 or just a bit below that, well, then you're looking at like 520. Get that done, volume, because I want it to be 20K, but I don't want it to be 20K all hard. So I'll get that done, and then we'll move a, a lot closer to race pace. So all of a sudden, I might run at you know, five minute mile pace. We're inside 10 seconds. And like I said, sometimes when you're in full training and and that might already start to feel like race effort, 
and then I'll run at raise pace. Perfect. You know, that works really well. And then the final 5K will basically be like, like race simulation. Like, what well, you know, what have you got? What have you still got in the tank? And I'll probably, when I say taper into that, I don't mean a week or, or two weeks taper. I just mean that I might not run 10 mile and seven mile the day before at like six minute pace. So I'll, I'll, I'll appreciate that that's a pretty tough day coming up. And so you might find that on the Thursday, you could cross train. You might then find on the Friday. So, you, you know, you might still do 60 minutes cross training and maybe 30 that night because you're still keeping volume. And then on the Friday, you might just do one run, you know, eight miles. You don't have to run at a fast pace. And suddenly you give yourself a, a bit of a chance to handle the session. Why? Because you're going to gain more from being able to do that session well than not being able to do it well, but having one extra 10 mile run at six minute pace. Okay. That's the theory behind that. But that's the, that's, that's it. Um, in a nutshell, that's where we're at. I'm going to do I, 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 taught, I openly s sort of started this conversation that I'd made that decision not to go to altitude. I, I really believed it was paying off. I think it is. Things are starting to look pretty good. I think things develop slower than we'd like. And so sometimes there needs to be that patience that, you know, that's okay. Things are going to develop and, and I'm, I'm okay with that. If, if you ever get faster, be delighted because sometimes you can get slower. <laughs> so sometimes we're frustrated that maybe we're not getting faster at the rate that we'd like, but be delighted that you're getting quicker because trust me, you can get slower, okay? Um, and finally, what I would say is if you do, you know, put a little bit of a plan in place, if there's something that you think can help, put it in place, you know, trust it. Maybe, you know, it, it is, it was a good idea. You know, maybe it is a good idea. And then really stick to it and, you know, commit to it. Because you don't want to be in a position where you kind of regret that you didn't sort of like stick to it. And, you know, maybe it, you know, maybe it, bloody was a, a really good idea and maybe it would have worked. Sometimes we just doubt ourselves and then like we, we sort of like think we're stupid and we don't really know what we're doing or what we're talking about. And then actually maybe you did and, and maybe it would have really worked. So that's all I've got for you today. Um, well done everybody for, you know, I guess being runners and sticking with it and um, giving the oil run and a go and trying to be better. Um, yeah, be easy on yourself. One thing that's really helped me lately is, is in any of the training that I'm doing, really reminding myself to just be, be present in that moment. And, and that means if it's getting a bit tough, that, that's okay. Just be present in that moment and don't be too hard on myself. Calm it down and just focus on what I can do in that, at that exact moment in time to help that moment in time. 
once you start worrying about what might happen, where things might go, how you might feel in a mile or two from now, all you're kind of doing is almost you create that reality and maybe you do start struggling like a mile from then on. But the other thing is that what happens is you don't help the current situation like that that moment right at that time. It's kind of an interesting one. Like, um, And so, yeah, be, be present. If you're, say, struggling, well, then what you do is, well, let's, let's relax my shoulders. Let's really start focusing on my breathing a bit better here and try to help the mile you're in not worry about, oh my God, if I'm struggling now, how am I going to get, you know, three mile done? Well, you'll stand a much better chance if the help, if you help that mile that you're in. So guys, take care. Thanks for listening. All the best. This is a new microphone. I hope it's good. That's kind of why I nailed the podcast out there, but um, all the best. Bye-bye.